0: Thank you, Mad and Rebecca. Isn't that beautiful? Do not fear. And thank you, Francis. Wow, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. And, and it's good to see everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Christmas Day. It finally got here, didn't it? And uh, here we are. Do you know it will not be Christmas on a Sunday again for another 11 years. So enjoy today. It's not coming back quick. Um, we're glad you're here. Now, we've, we purposely are trying to keep this to an hour or less because we, we know you've got all kinds of family things going on, so we're purposely trying to move through everything quickly. If you look at your screen, you'll see the text is in Luke chapter... Uh-oh. There it is, Luke chapter 2. This, yeah, now it's up there. Luke chapter 2. You can turn there with me in your Bibles. This is a third part in our Christmas series on the hidden Christmas. Now what I mean by that is that beneath all the hustle and bustle and gifts and, and rushing about and stress and meeting deadlines, be, behind all of that is the true Christmas, of course, the story of a, a child in a manger, God coming down from heaven. And so, in that sense, it's hidden. Now, I enjoy all the other stuff, too. I enjoy the presents. I got some presents today. I mean, I got some good presents today. I got all excited about it. And uh, I like all the other stuff about Christmas. I like the lights and the, you know, the, the, uh, not only the Christian singing, but the, uh, the uh, traditional secular singing as well. I like the, uh, I just love Christmas. But behind all of that, of course, is what Christmas is really all about, and that's the child who came in a manger, a God who came from heaven. But even deeper than that, there's the truth of why he came and who it was that came. That's what's even hidden from so many who celebrate the birth of a baby. And so we've been thinking about that. And so we come today to chapter 2, and uh, we're going to read only one verse to start with, but keep your Bibles open. We're going to come back to them, and we're going to go right to the end of that passage where the angels are speaking to the shepherds. Look at the last verse there, verse 14. That is the last verse in the information coming from the angels. And this multitude of the heavenly host was praising God, verse 14, and they were saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill towards men now that goodwill means uh, people who are the recipients of God's goodwill that is the recipients of God's grace and mercy that he brought down when Jesus came to earth and That brings peace. Now, there's not peace on all the earth. Of course, we know there's wars everywhere. But we can have peace as individuals in our hearts. And that's something pretty glorious. Amen? Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for our time together. Make it profitable, I pray, for each of us as we celebrate you, who you are, and why you came. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Frank Gossett grew up as a sad and angry and bitter and unhappy little boy with no peace at all. He felt no love. He said his father was an angry man and when he would come home from work, he would often, most of the time, come home in a bad mood. And he says, and I'm quoting now, uh, I can't remember too many days when he would come home from work that I didn't get a whipping for something. And then he said, I thought I could never win my father's love. He goes on to say, he would tell me that I was worthless and useless and stupid. He says, I, he never told me that he loved me. Never. He said, it seemed like I couldn't do anything to live up to his expectations. I could not get his approval. Well, that made him a sad and hurt and little boy who felt no love, had no peace. And as it turned out, he, he had no friends because he was so insecure by the way his dad had treated him that he had no friends. His dad would go out on the weekends and drinking with, his, with uh, Frank's uncles and so forth. And so Frank began to think if he could learn to drink like his daddy and like his uncles, he could, it maybe would be accepted. So he began to drink. I'm talking about before the age of 11 he started drinking. But instead of winning his father's approval, of course, it just got him into more trouble with his father. So he was sad and felt no love. When he was 11, the family moved to another location. One thing he said he found from drinking was, at least temporarily, it would let him forget his troubles. Well, they moved when he was 11... And he found another way to forget his troubles. LSD. Can you imagine that? Eleven. Just a little over eleven years old. And of course, that brought its own problems. He said in order to fund his addiction, he began growing and selling marijuana. And... Uh, He says, and I'm quoting now, when you're an addict and you have lots of money and lots of drugs, then you end up with lots of, quote, friends. They would all say to me, where, wow, where did you get all this good stuff? This is really good stuff. And so he began to gain, quote, friends, not real friends, of course, but, quote, friends. But he still had no peace. At 16, he dropped out of school and began to work in the steel mill where his daddy worked. Because he thought that would let him bond with his daddy and earn his daddy's respect. But it had just the opposite effect. And his father criticized him without mercy and told him he could do better. And um, he said, I felt like, you know, that I would never measure up. So he quit the steel mill and threw himself into his drug business, and this is at the age of seventeen. And uh, so he now he says, and I quote: "I had to fund my next addiction, which was cocaine." He said everything revolved around cocaine. He said, "I mean it, everything. Everything revolved around me getting." He was still hurt and unhappy, and his lack of peace just amplified. He became more and more miserable with his own lifestyle. And uh, then he said, and this is interesting, he said, I had people I knew who were my friends who were dying of AIDS because of use of IV drugs. But that didn't stop me. He said, I had people who said they were my friends who died in drug deals gone bad. But that didn't stop me. And then he was arrested and sentenced to 25 years in prison for stealing $17,000 from his employer. And he said, that didn't stop me. He continued to use drugs and sell drugs In prison. He said as as a dealer in prison, he was in constant fear. And somewhere right along that time in his life, after he'd been in prison for a few years, another inmate told Frank that he had found peace. Peace in his heart through the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, at first Frank just blew it off his Religious babble, you know. But that fellow, Frank could see a difference in that inmate's life. And he did seem to have peace. And this inmate invited him to church. Church inside the prison. And eventually, Frank went to church. Frank says, and I'm quoting, February the 5th. 2008, in that church service, God got a hold of my heart. He said, I remember praying and asking God for forgiveness and asking Christ to come into my heart. And he said, and I'm quoting now, I remember feeling a peace that I had never felt in my whole life. Wow, isn't that glorious? That's the reason Jesus came, so we could have peace, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Well, he said it was as though he said he couldn't, of course, hear God speaking audibly, but he just felt like God was saying to him, if you're ready to give up the stuff you've been doing, I've got something better for you. And Frank said, I said, quote, yes, Lord. He called him Lord. Yes, Lord. And then he says, and I'm quoting, It's like I could hear chains breaking and just falling to the floor. I just felt this peace, this freedom. I cannot explain it. It was a freedom like I had never experienced. That's right why Jesus came. So real people like Frank and like me and like you can have real forgiveness can have real peace and experience real love. The love of Christ in our hearts. He goes on to say, with that peace in my heart I became a new man. I quit doing drugs that very day. There was a seminary college in the prison and I got involved in that. And I started going to classes and also going to every church service that went on within the prison. Even the officers seemed to notice a change in me, that I was not the same man. And then, after three years of being clean and sober, Frank said he, he got something he never expected. That was an early release. Remember, he was sentenced to 25 years. He got an early release, and he says... Uh, he says, God opened a door for me to go to a halfway house and I'm the only person who completed the nine-month program that went out with my group without either going back to prison or winding up dead. He was the only one. Here's a picture of Frank if you look at your screen. There's Frank today. Fourteen years later after he got saved. Fourteen years of being clean and living for the Lord. Today, he's a a full-time prison chaplain. He's been reconciled to his father, and he finally found that peace that he had searched for his whole life. But he found something else, too. He found love. And remember something else he didn't have? A friend. He found a friend in Jesus. This is the way he put it. He said, I found unconditional love, and Jesus has been the friend who accepted me for who I am. Wow, real people. These things happen to real people in real places with real forgiveness and real peace and real life transformation. That's why Jesus came. He came so that you and I could have peace. He came so that you and I could be forgiven. The angel said, peace on earth. Goodwill towards men or goodwill to to those who are recipients of God's goodwill. They can have peace. Beyond the baby in the manger. Jesus said in his ministry, he said, I have come to seek and to save those that are lost. Now, there's a reason for his coming. He said it himself. I am come, I have come to seek and to save those that are lost. He said again in John 10:10, I am come, Jesus said, that you might have life, eternal life but not only eternal life. He said, and that you might have it more abundantly. (laughs) You might have peace and joy and purpose in life. The angel said, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Not many today have that kind of peace. We are told that during the holidays... Is a time when people are more fearful, more stressed, and have more anxiety than any other time during the year. Now, even all year round, there's a lot of anxiety. According to uh, MedicineNet, 19 million people in America suffer from an anxiety disorder. That's remarkable. U.S. News and World Record says 14.8 million Americans suffer from irrational fears, and it costs America 42 billion dollars a year. There's even something called SAD, 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 seasonal affective Order. That is, people get more anxiety and more fear during the holidays. Psychiatrists and counselors would tell us that their busiest time of the year is a week or two before Thanksgiving and a week or two after uh, New Year's. During that holiday season, when we're celebrating peace on earth, but very few have that Peace. Now that article from U.S. News and Records said this was irrational fears. Here's some irrational fear. Here's the idea of irrational fears. For instance, Napoleon was a f- had the fear of cats. Queen Elizabeth, the fear of roses. Edgar Allan Poe, the, the fear of closed-in spaces. Sigmund Freud had a fear of the marketplace or crowded places. Howard Hughes had a fear of germs. And here's one that I have only heard of recently. Maybe you've heard of it. It's the fear of sermons. Yeah. I mean, this is supposed to be a real thing. Some people have a fear of sermons. It's called... Homophobia, like homiletics, homilophobia. Well, when we come back to our text, we see some people who had a rational fear. That is, their fear made sense. Let's pick it up in verse 9 of our text. You've got your Bibles open there. Look. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore... The King James says sore. That word sore, or translated sore, means very. They were very afraid. Some translations translate it, they were terrified. The literal Greek says they feared with great fear. They had great fear. Now, you know the setting here, but let me just remind you. Mary was approached by the angel, Gabriel, who gave her the message. The Holy Spirit come upon her, and she became pregnant with God's Son. They were to name his name, Jesus. And then there was the taxation, you remember. Also, an angel appeared to Joseph and spoke to him, and we gleaned some important important words and truths from that passage. And now that taxation has happened. They've traveled from Bethlehem, or to Bethlehem, from Nazareth. 90 miles. Both of those cities are still there today. It's a 90-mile track. In Bible days, what was called a day's journey was 20 miles. People could travel about 20 miles in a day. Now, healthy, really healthy... Young people could do more than that, but that was the average, about a 20 miles. Can you imagine walking 20 miles one day, getting up the next morning and walking another 20 miles? <laughs> That'd be pretty tough, wouldn't it? But that was a day's journey. So it would have taken them at least five days, but remember, Mary is nine months pregnant, or eight and a half. She's right at the time of her delivery, so they probably went slower, she had to get off and off of the mule or donkey and rest some it may have taken them longer than five days probably did so they made this five day journey or more down to Bethlehem when they get there of course there's no room in the inn they end up in a stable and while this is taking place the angels appear to the shepherds and this is the message And as it starts out in verse 9, and they, these shepherds, were extremely afraid. Verse 10, And the angel said unto them, Fear not. By the way, that's the third time in the the Christmas story that an angel has said to mankind, Fear not. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy... In the book of Luke, joy and salvation is linked together often as it is here. It's a tiding, good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. Jesus didn't come for just a select few. He came for all of us, the rich, the poor. It doesn't matter what our color is or what our background is. He came for all people. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, that's of course, Bethlehem. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now here are some new words that we haven't really looked at in the, in the past two weeks. The first one is Savior. Remembering the name Jesus means Jehovah saves. And so it has the idea of, of one who saves. The word Savior here means one who saves or delivers people. In the spiritual sense, it means he delivers from sin and from addictions and so forth. But it can be used uh, as someone like a fireman who went into a house and delivered uh, a family member out of that burning fire and saved them, delivered them. But in the spiritual sense, here, of course, the reference is too. So he's a Savior, and he's Christ, which is... Uh, The Hebrew word Messiah is translated the Christ. The Messiah of the Old Testament. So here's the one that mankind has been waiting on all of these years. And he finally came in a form of a baby in a manger. In a feeding trough for an animal. And then it says the Lord. That word Lord is pretty important. It's the Greek word kurios. It's used 667 times in the New Testament to refer to God the Father, God the Son, and a couple of times to God the Holy Spirit. Lord. It's a reference to God himself. Here in the message of the angels is a great truth of the deity of Christ. He is Lord, 667 times. About half of that's to the Father, about half of that's referring to the Lord Jesus. The Subtuagint was a translation of the Bible, that was a translation from Hebrew, the Old Testament, Hebrew, into Greek. So you've got the Old Testament then <coughs> in Greek. And that was the copy of scriptures that Jesus would have read from. That was the copy they used in Jesus' day, the translation, the Subtuagent. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. This word, kurios, was the word that they used to translate the Old Testament word Jehovah. The people who knew the Old Testament and knew this translation would know these angels were saying, this is Jehovah, this is the Lord, this is God himself, who has come to you. Wow. He's the Lord. Capital L. Now, 54 times the word is used with a small l, and it refers to the Lord of a... A home, a lord of a manor, the lord of a castle, the way it's used in England today still. But when it's capitalized, it means Jehovah, Lord. Wow. Remember how John told his Christmas story? He really condensed his Christmas story, didn't he? The apostle John. He said, in the beginning was the Word. Now, you know from the context... The word word means refers to the Lord Jesus. Excuse me. So John says, In the beginning, before time, in the beginning, before there ever was time, was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was with God. That is, He was with God the Father. The word with there indicates intimate fellowship. He was with God the Father in intimate fellowship. The next phrase says, And he was God. He was God the Son in intimate fellowship with God the Father. (laughs) And then it says, All things were made by him, and not anything that was made was made, except that was made by him. And in verse 14 it says, And the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us. (laughs) Wow. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You go on up a little in that passage, and it says, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came into His own, that is, His descendants, the Jews. He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But, then he says, but, to those who did receive him, gave he the right to become the children of God. That's me and you. And over the years, over the last 2,000 years, (coughs) though most people have rejected him, there's a few here and a few there and one here and one here who say, yes, I receive Christ. And they find that peace that only the Prince of Peace can give. And remember what the angel said to Joseph. He shall save his people from their sins. He is the one who can forgive sins. Wow. Mystery of mysteries. Wonder of wonders. God became flesh. The apostle Paul would say in 1 Timothy 3... 16, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus would say, his disciples says, Lord, show us the Father. And he said, have I been with you so long? Are you still confused about this? If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. And he would say later, the Father and I are one. Daniel Webster was a great scholar of years gone by. He was a lawyer and a senator and a statesman. He was the Secretary of State at one time. One time he spoke before the Congress and the historians write about him. It was the most eloquent speech ever delivered in the Congress. In 1957, he was officially named by the U.S. Senate as one of the five most outstanding members members in history, Daniel Webster. One day he was dining with some of his intellectual uh, friends, colleagues. And while they were dining, the subject of Christianity come up, and Daniel Webster told the whole crowd there that he was a believer in the Lord Jesus, that he believed in the deity of Christ. That means he believes Jesus was God himself. And he says, I trust him for the forgiveness of my sin. And one of the men setting at the table said, Mr. Webster, and I'm quoting now, can you comprehend how Christ could be both God and man? Mr. Webster promptly replied, no, no, sir, I cannot comprehend that. If I could comprehend that, he would be no greater than my ability to comprehend And then he said, I need a Savior who's bigger than that. We cannot comprehend it, but we know it's true. He is God who came in the flesh. And so we have these words, these great words here. Savior, Messiah, or Christ, and Lord. He is master. Wonder of wonders. When you think about it, the more you try to wrap your mind around it, the less you can wrap your mind around it. Marvel of marvels. Wonder of wonders. Well, if you look back at your text, in verse 12, and this shall be a sign unto you, still the angel, speaking to the shepherds. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. A manger is a feeding trough for an animal. Similar to the one behind me up there. It may have been made out of stone. There was more stone than wood in Jerusalem in those days. And I think it's still much the case Today. And, uh, and then notice, he would be laying in the manger, verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill towards men. Peace for those men who are recipients of God's goodwill. His grace that he will bestow through Christ. And we can experience peace as individuals. Now, there's not going to be full peace in the earth until the Prince of Peace comes back and sets up his kingdom. But in this age, we can have peace as individuals in our hearts and in our souls. What a message. There's one of the great hidden truths of Christmas. Peace on earth for those who receive God's grace. Now, I'm going to show you a little clip because I've been showing these clips to remind us that Mary and Joseph and all these people, real people, and these things really happen and so forth. This is, this is history. This is the Bible acted out. This is the LUMO, as I've spoken to you before, uh, publication. And so there's the reading of Scripture. There's nothing added to or taken away from Scripture. There's the reading of Scripture in the background and people acting out what was going on in the video. You may remember they've already translated Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, in over a thousand languages. And they took them ten years to put all the videos and the languages together. And their goal is, in another 11 years, in 2033, to have these four Gospels in 99% of all the languages of the people of the world. It's quite a project. And uh, so as you, as you look at it, maybe not only remember the reality of, of that historical event and that it may have looked something like what we'll see on the video, but also remember that these videos will be shown around the world, all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the whole Gospels of all four of them, so with that said, it may have looked something like this, let's watch the video.
1: to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb.
0: Called him Jesus, Savior, Messiah, Christ, and Lord. 700 years before the time of Christ, Isaiah the prophet prophesied of his coming and called him the Prince of Peace. <laughs> He's the bringer of peace. He's the giver of peace. You know, in the New Testament alone, the word peace is used 111 times. I'm going to read them all to you. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm going to read a few of them to you. Listen, when John, I mean, when Jesus met with his disciples after the resurrection, he stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Eight days later he stood with his disciples again in a room that had been closed, and he entered into that room and said, Peace be unto you. When Paul wrote to The Christians in the first century in his epistles, his letters, he started many of his letters with the same phrases that he used here in Romans 1 where he says, Peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace through God but immediately from the Lord Jesus Christ that peace comes. And then in Galatians, it says the fruit of the Spirit, what the Holy Spirit produces in us when we're controlled by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. Hebrews, uh, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 2 says, He is our peace. Philippians 4 says, You can have the peace of God which passeth all understanding and will keep your hearts and minds, and it comes through Jesus Christ. Philippians 4 says, calls Jesus the God of peace and says, The God of peace be with you. Colossians 3 says, And let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let that peace rule the way you live. And then 1 Thessalonians says, And the very God of peace, referring to Christ, sanctify you, set you apart, and change you wholly. Holy. And then Hebrews 7 calls him the king of righteousness and the king of peace. (laughs) And Hebrews 13 calls him, again, the God of peace. So he's called the God of peace, the Lord of peace, the prince of peace, the king of peace, the giver of peace. He's how mankind finds peace. One more that I'll read you, and it says, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always. By all means. The Lord of peace give you peace. This is how we get peace. He gives it to us. By all means means in all circumstances. Listen to it again. The Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. Under every circumstance and all the time you can receive from him peace in your heart. I put two more verses on the screen for you. Look back at your screen. And let's look at these last two verses, and then we'll close. Uh-oh. There they are. Uh Nope, that's not it. Fellas, go back. By the way, did I, I sh- did I show you? I did show you him. Boy, we're way off, gentlemen. Where are we at? Oh, those things were not supposed to be in there. I changed my sermons at the last minute a lot of times, and somehow we didn't get... Uh, go to uh, uh, John 14, gentlemen. Show us that verse. John 14. All right, I'm going to read it to you. If they get it up there, good. If they don't, I'm going to read it to you anyway. Jesus is speaking. He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not like the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. He said, My peace I give unto you. And then one more in John 16 now, he says, And these things have I spoken unto you that, again, my peace would be in you. In the world you're going to have tribulations, troubles, problems, trials. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, gentlemen, if you can go to that very last screen I had up there. Well, let's go past that now. Go to the next one. That's the one we just read. Ah, how do we get peace on Earth, How do we become the recipients of God's goodwill and grace towards us and receive that peace? Three quick thoughts as we close. One, receive Him as Savior and Emmanuel into your heart. Remember, Emmanuel means God with you. Savior means He's come to save us from our sins. So receive Him as Savior and Lord into your heart. He forgives your sin. And he becomes your best friend. He'll be with you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So be sure you have Christ in your life. He came for that purpose. Emmanuel, God with us. Receive him as Savior. And then yield to him as Lord and God. That is the Lord and God of all your heart. He is Lord. He is God. But yield your life to him. Every aspect of your life. Lord, I want to please you in all that I do. Help me to have the right attitude about going to work and about my marriage and with my children. In and, and all that I do, I yield to your Lordship. And then the third thing is this. Take from him as the giver of peace, his peace, into your heart. Remember he said, my peace I give to you. Just take it. When somebody gives you something, you take it. You take it by faith. Just like you took that forgiveness. You didn't earn his forgiveness, did you? No. No, We can never earn his forgiveness. It's a free gift of his grace. We can't earn peace either. Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher of years gone by in England, he used to say, "If if you really get your eyes on Jesus and... And concentrate on him, the dove of peace will light on your shoulder. He said, but as soon as you turn and look at that dove, he flies away. If you're seeking peace for the sake of seeking peace, you'll never find it. It's like chasing bubbles. But if you'll let Christ give you that peace, you can find it. He'll give it. Let's bow together. With our heads bowed, maybe some of you would say, Preacher, I know I'm saved. There's no doubt about that. I belong to Christ. But I haven't really been experiencing much peace as of late. And I want you to pray for me as you close that I'll learn to receive from Him that peace that He wants to give me. If that's your prayer, would you slip your hearts up all over? Yes, God bless you, and you, and yes, God bless you, and God bless you, and yes, God bless you, and you, and you, and yes, and God bless you, yes, I see your hand, God bless you, many hands, you may put them down. I wonder if you'd say this, preacher, I don't know that I've ever received Christ Jesus the Lord into my life. Pray for me. Now, no one will come to you or embarrass you. We would never do anything like that. But we do want to pray for you. Would you just slip up your hand, and by that you're saying, I have never received Christ, or I'm not sure. Anyone like that? Hold it up long enough for me to look around the room. Yes, I see that little hand. Yes, God bless you. I see that little hand. Somebody else? I'm looking around the room. Hold it up all right with our heads bowed let me say one more word about this peace you can have a little bit of peace or a lot of peace or an abundant peace you have to learn to keep taking it from him and if you keep taking and keep taking you'll just keep that peace in your heart ask him right now to teach you to do that would you and if you've never received him as savior why don't you just be honest enough to say Lord Jesus, reveal yourself to me. I don't want to miss the real thing. Will you be honest enough to tell him that right where you are? Father, thank you for our time together. Lord Jesus, you're our Lord, our Master, our Shepherd, our best friend. We thank you and praise you for that. Now speak to hearts. You've seen many of your people raise their hands, and it's so easy for us to lose our peace. Teach us to trust you day by day, throughout the day, for your peace to flood our souls. Teach us. And if there's some here who have never received you as Savior, I pray they would be willing to do that before it's eternally too late. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.